Welcome to this episode of Life Beyond Our Wildest Dreams. It's a family recovery podcast where we share stories about what we have earned through our recovery. This podcast is not affiliated with any specific program, and the opinions are those of the guests only. The podcast is now available on Amazon, Apple, Anchor, Spotify, and most other platforms you listen to podcasts on. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Today, my special guest is Gail. Gail is from Lancaster, and she is the first to be interviewed of our fabulous 40. And Gail is sober 42 years. So Gail, welcome to the podcast. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Can you well, hear me? I can, and thank you so much for your patience today. We went through quite a bit of technical issues <laughs> and uh, weather and things beyond our control, but I'm really glad that you stuck with it and that you're here with me today. So I'm just going to go right into it, um, Gail. And as you know, there's going to be some interviews with a series of ladies. Uh, Meg, who was a guest a while ago, rounded a few of you up. And um, everyone's ranging from 47 to, I believe, 42 or 43, 42 years, I guess, of uh, sobriety. Now I'm just entering my 40th year. And so to me, it's really interesting to hear the wisdom and experience of, of, of course, the people who've gone before me, but also just to share with people the experience, you know, of what things were like in that day and when you started out. So 42 years ago, why don't you give us an idea of what it was like when you went into your first 12-step meeting? Well, I've been in another 12-step program earlier, and I did fairly well with it, but when I relocated, I lost track of all that, and um, I ended up dating an alcoholic, and he ended up making me so insane that I couldn't even, after being around him, I could not get the key to fit into my lock. When I came home, I would be shaking so much from all the agitation and insanity around me, and uh, I started going to Al-Anon, at which point I learned that it wasn't always him. Some of it was me. <laughs> but one day in an Al-Anon meeting, they were talking about things the alcoholics did before the meeting, and I related perfectly to a lot of what the women and the gentlemen were saying. And I thought, well, this is something. So I got myself off to a clubhouse to a meeting, and I was terrified at first because it was mostly men. And what I didn't know at the time was it was a men's meeting. But they um, took a quick thing and said, you can stay. <laughs> you know, I guess the look <laughs> on my face. So I started at a, at a clubhouse called Stepping Stones. And the person I was seeing at that time is no longer in recovery. I believe there were some police incidents that followed him some places and, and etc. But I stuck it out and shortly after that I went to a clubhouse where I dressed in a skirt and stockings and carried a little notepad and I didn't want to admit and I would not admit I was an alcoholic and uh, I, I pretended I was a nursing student or a psychology person <laughs> who was one. yeah who was just making the obligatory meeting but the problem was that that particular day, uh, I heard somebody talking about blackouts. And I thought blackouts were what 
good girls had when they wanted to be bad girls because then you didn't remember them it was convenient mm-hmm. and this bus driver was speaking about driving like an interstate trip from several through several states and he sort of forgot pittsburgh or something <laughs> you know mm-hmm. just went past it and i recalled at that moment going through a five-way intersection and being very annoyed that everybody was honking and beeping and screaming at me in my car so that convinced me that maybe i could possibly be an alcoholic and could possibly use some help so So pretty interesting that you would go into the meeting and go to that length to take the notebook and actually (laughs) you know be such an observer but i think it really speaks to as well that sometimes that there is a stigma (laughs) exactly and a stigma for women in that day as well and as you described kind of a bit similar for me as well but also like you said you know predominantly men in the room i know probably smoke-filled rooms as well in that day oh yes and so for a woman to walk into that environment you know in that day and stage would be a little bit intimidating to say the least yeah i tried at, at that first meeting this is not the way meetings are now after the meeting, I was told to talk to the women and get phone numbers. And I recall wandering in and out of the groups, chatting in the driveway and pulling on ladies' sweaters to try to get them to give me phone numbers. And they pretty much ignored me. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't see that today in the rooms. There's always somebody willing to give out a phone number or just a chat or something. But I was And a pretty- lot more women, too. Oh, yeah. Well, it was, there were at times a lot of women. And um, one of them took me to a women's meeting was my first all women's meeting. And um, this woman was talking about how she drank brandy in a teacup and passed out under the dining room table. But now that she was sober by the grace of God and the program, her husband had a hot dinner and clean socks every day. Yeah, And I thought to myself, I'm a professional in healthcare, and that wasn't my goal to have a husband with clean socks. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. So Uh, why don't, why don't we just, uh, you know, definitely you've painted the picture of what it was like in that time and entering at that stage in those years where, you know, there were, let's just put it this way, way less women than men. It was predominantly a men's um environment now what have been the most 42 years is a long time what have you what would you think if you were to tell people what have been the most valuable gifts of your recovery i think the from my family becoming the person that my parents deserved to have as a daughter rather than who i was in my years going a helen um I was the problem child. They never knew if I'd come home in an ambulance or a police car or a fire truck or a motorcycle. And when I was driving, neighbors would sit on a stoop with a can of beer and watch me try to parallel park on an empty street. So, you know, I was definitely not anonymous in the beginning of my drinking and it certainly got worse. But after many years of demonstrating sobriety does change me, I 
my mom had initially made my sister executrix of the will because they didn't trust me and they didn't trust any of my partners. Uh, and when my dad died, my mom changed from my sister to myself because I had demonstrated the responsibility that was required of such a job. And that to me was a great, great, I mean, I was over the moon. I didn't well, a great it. accomplishment. Yeah. And, and the second one is that I'm going, uh, I'm planning this summer of going zip lining in Alaska. Wow. <laughs> because I can. <laughs> nice. You know, and I know that I won't embarrass myself. Well, my, my thing is I have earned many, many dignity hit points in the game of life. So I can always spare to let a few loose and, you know, screaming my head off as I zip lined <laughs> over a glacier seems to me like a perfect heavenly thing. Exactly. You know? And so, you know, those things are really important. What you brought up that, you know, you were able to be a better daughter you were able to regain your mother's trust. You are able to, you know, be given and be trusted with responsibility. And, you know, obviously another gift is to travel and to do, you know, like you, you said, you can go out and do these things that you want to do. And you know that, you know, it's not going to result in an embarrassing moment. Yeah. You know, you today can conduct yourself in a, in a manner which you can go out and have fun, but you A, are going to remember it, and B, it's not going to be an embarrassing situation. So Absolutely. What do, you, what do you think, you know, with the type of life that you've developed for yourself over 42 years? I mean, myself, there's been many times. I mean, it, it recovery is not, recovery is hard work. Recovery is... Are there a couple of daily practices that you do every single day that you contribute to staying on the path all these years? Well, first off, don't drink. <laughs> you know, that's the main one. And um, in doing the work with the 12 steps, I began, I was trained by my sponsors to look for red flags. Right. Because one of the worst things an alcoholic can think to him, him herself is, I'll get drunk at you. Yeah. And even if you don't want to drink, that thought is so insidious and it's so dangerous that it requires immediate attention or you may be doomed. And I have attended enough funerals for people that I dearly loved in the program that I don't want to put that on anyone else. I, I'm rather enjoying my living now and that's a big deal. I remember... A little off the topic, but I remember like maybe a year and something sober at the beach sitting in the very shallow section where all the little babies play in the in the ripply waves. Mm -hmm. And I sat down there just because and all of a sudden these couple, three toddlers came walking over to me and began to climb on me on my lap and on my back and I turned around and I could see the parents starting to rise from the blankets and the beach chairs. They didn't know me, but something about me had changed to the point where these little kids instinctively knew that I was not dangerous. It totally blew me away. Because hmm. when I used to walk down the street, mothers would put their kids behind them or on the opposite side or something just because of the look on my eyes and 
you know, the way I was maybe muttering to myself or something. And, and, you know, that change was like an amazing, I never, that, that's not why I got sober. I got sober to stop my pain. And here, you know, I got something above and beyond what I had even thought of. And, and that's the ripple effect, right? Is that we make a decision one day to not take a drink. Right. But, and, it's, and, but it's not about the drinking. You know, the drinking is a symptom of everything else. And what happens right. if it stays and, sober longer, like you said, then, you know, there's a ripple effect. Then not only do you, you know, gain a better life, do you, you know, have abstinence? Do you live a better life, are more trusted, more responsible? But the ripple effect is everyone you come into contact with is going to have a better experience with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Alcohol told me I could use and abuse anybody who was in my way that interfered with whatever I thought I wanted. Yeah. And today I, um, I'm living in a facility where many of the residents are 20 years older than I am. And I'm a good neighbor. You know, yeah. and I volunteer for things. I, I no longer see what others can do for me i i enjoy doing for other people that all that was something that i acquired through being sober and through our 12 steps and i must say the traditions have come in handy in terms of um self-supporting because yeah. my family used to always have to you know bail me out of a financial crisis that i put myself into and once I became sober, I started becoming financially responsible. And the result was I did not need their assistance to bail me out of anything. Yeah. And those were not reasons why. So I these are big drinking. things you're talking about, though. You're yeah. talking about being a participant, not a spectator Absolutely. in life. You're talking about, you know, giving service. So you're giving back, volunteering and giving back and being of service rather than taking absolutely and, and I mean, I so all of this because you decide to not drink so i mean i think you'd agree the same as my experience has been is one person decides to not take a drink and make a conscious decision but many people's lives are affected and changed well they told me one person drinking will affect five people immediately around them when i was first coming to meetings yeah yeah. And that was the meetings were being held at police and firemen's counseling center. And some of my friends, I had a park guard that fell off his horse. And <laughs> there was also a gentleman who slept in Philadelphia's parks in a park guard house, you know, a little shelter, like a kiosk yeah. Yeah. that they allowed him to sleep in there on bad nights. But um, he was definitely not the kind of person my mother would have wanted me to hang with. But even in his alcoholic insanity, he would tell me, you know, just don't drink, just don't drink. Well, and it's that simple, you know, and it can, yeah. it can be done. You're proof of a person who's able to have continuous sobriety right. for 42 years under any and all conditions. You have yes. never had to use uh, anything that's happened to you in your life as an excuse to take a drink. And uh, so what would one piece of advice be that you'd give people today that are starting out or people who are maybe been sober a long time and are stuck and, 
maybe not going to meetings? What would you say? What would your one piece of advice be? Well, there's a few of them, actually. One is that my disease would never stop. I truly believe that what I was told when I was a newcomer, that if I quit drinking for 20 years or 50 years, my disease will keep going as if I never stopped. And I won't pick up where I left off. I'll pick up 50 years down the road with the insanity, which so is a little bit too much for my taste. <laughs> progression continues. Progression is deadly. The other thing is I can't afford to be complacent that, oh, I've got time because I've seen people with time die. And I always have to remain what they call teachable because I never know when there's something I'm resisting that might help me improve myself. And if I resist somebody else's opinion or suggestion, I might do myself out of something that could make me even better than I am. And I'm not talking about goody goody. I'm talking about the ability to just put my head on the pillow and go to sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. And don't you agree as well? You know, I'm not, I, I although I'm very, I think it's very important for people to see that people who can stay sober decades. Yes, I think it needs to be acknowledged. I think it needs to be seen that it is possible, it can be done. But at the same time, I'm far more impressed with the day than I am the years. I've, um, you know, for me, the 24 hours is definitely what counts. And, you know, people seem to think that those of us who've been sober multiple decades have some kind of special, uh, powers or special kind of uh coding over us and the thing is you know the bottom line for me is the only difference between a newcomer and any of us who have multiple years of sobriety is one drink that's the truth i'm only an arm's length away from disaster at any given moment and the other thing was when i first came around there i i used to call it nowadays i call it the fuzzy bunny school of sobriety where <laughs> this and that can't be mentioned and you can't upset somebody or contradict them or tell them they're being a jerk and i was not given those breaks you know me if I either i didn't have the luxury right and if i complained in a meeting somebody in the back would ah be glad you got a job you know, if it was the car, uh, be grateful you got a car. And nowadays, I sit there and I think, I'm so grateful that I don't have time to tell my higher power all the things I'm grateful for. I just put it in the coffee cup and say, oh, God, that's good coffee. And I'm pretty sure higher power knows exactly what I mean, because I'd still be making the list from this morning if I didn't. Well, and that. I would never be sober today if I didn't sober up in the time that I did. I mean, yes. I had quite a lot to say when I got there. I was 20 years old and, you know, I was removed out of the meeting, told we'll let you know when we think you have something to say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it had, it like it said at that time, I was told, hey, we'll take the people or 12-step programs, we'll take the people and any kind of program, we'll take the person and take the tough ones and soften them up and soften up the tough ones. And that's what they had to do with me. And you know, I need a specific program for myself that gives me guidelines and gives me guardrails because I need structure. Absolutely. So I'm grateful as well to have come in when I did come in. 
And I just, you know, think it's wonderful that, you know, you have the time you do and that you took the time today uh, with all of our <laughs> technical issues to come <laughs> and, and share a bit of your story and your time. And I really appreciate that. Now, I mean, you've told us that uh, usually we close with what is it you think you're doing today beyond your wildest dreams. Now, can you top the zip lining in Alaska or is... Well, there's free? more. Um, the day or the night before I got sober, I had my sister by the throat up in the air against the wall, kind of thinking I was Darth Vader or something. Uh-oh. And I went to a meeting, and my sister is now one of my best friends. Nice. You know, that this is, like, I was a wild woman. I, I once feed her to the floor in a supermarket because she moved a box of donuts that I wanted to buy. <laughs> yeah. and so that was the person dreams today that you have that type of relationship with. Right. And, and that I'm capable of it, you know, cause I never thought I was. And capable of that healing because when we come that broken and we come in that state and we, you know, now you think all these years later you're a participant you give you don't yeah. take you you have trust and responsibility you have fun and excitement in your life and travel and a relationship you know with your sister well to me that sounds like a life beyond your wildest dreams from the it day is, you walked it, in it is denise and my other theory is i have enough i don't need a bigger better car i don't need lots of clothing i don't generally use cosmetics um you know those things are not as important to me as that simple ability to just put my head on the pillow and go to sleep it's the simple pleasures as one of our previous guests uh used to say you know just the simple pleasures that you have a real gratitude for so it's very oh, obvious that the reason you stay sober uh, gail and you have stayed sober all these years is that you do have really an attitude of gratitude. Oh, thank you for that. So I really want to thank you for your time today and your perseverance. I wish you, I'd like to wish you 42 more years, but in my case, I know that that's not going to be. be oh, I hope not. <laughs> exactly. So it depends where we are on the scale, right? But I do. I I'll, really just, I'll worry about another day, you know. I seriously <laughs> wish you another day and many more days. Thank and you. And I, to you, I, Denise. I wish you all the best and thank you so much for your time today and for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. And for bye lighting bye. the path for me. Thank you.